Hello and welcome to the Two Medics podcast. My name is Thrushikana Wardena. I'm a cardiology registrar subspecialising in intervention. Hi, my name's Beth and John and I'm a GP trainee specialising in everything, nothing, ex-neurosurgery trainee, all that jazz, <laughs> once again. I noticed that ex-neurosurgery trainee is something that you say and do you think that's something you've got, like, obviously it's that's like, like an important... It's all I've got for my personality, Tarusha. No, that's not true. <laughs> but like, obviously, it sorry, is. But like, yeah, no, it is important to me. I like because some people, I don't know why, but I'm dead chuffed about it. I think, but also, I like to see people go when you oh, say yeah, it, right. and they're just a bit like that doesn't make sense, and I'm just like, yeah. yes, like it's how long story, have you got? Isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it is important to me, and I think sometimes people know me as, oh, you're the girl that quit neurosurgery. So yeah, <laughs> I'm just yeah, gonna get enough. all my like, yeah things in so you're riding into it I like it yeah man I'm taking it on it's like when it's not like the same at all because that's something that obviously is like really competitive really cool and whatever and so this is a terrible comparison but (laughs) knowing the like riding into it thing I like how like people take take something that could be steered as potentially negative and then they just take it on and just wear it as a badge of honor and one of the things I noticed was like how the the main character vibe on Twitter um yes. I always think that's like quite funny because I actually quite like the idea of being a main character but obviously it's meant as an insult right like yeah um, they yes. see themselves as I don't know the center of everything but surely you are the center <laughs> of your own universe and so I quite like that mm-hmm. but anyway yeah, good to have you back a, that's a good point yes thanks man I've missed you yeah I missed you too so what have you been up to in the last week do you want to like uh, tell everyone where you've been Yes, oh, I actually don't know what I've been doing apart from work. <laughs> it's been two weeks since I think we caught oh. up, isn't it? But yeah, 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 work and painting my house a really acid yes. green colour is like the latest. Oh, oh, that's it. I went to Cornwall. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. I actually went yeah. on holidays. Yeah, I went to Cornwall. That was nice. I lived off pasties and pints for a week. So my, no. yeah, my IBS is having a go. Oh, God. But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's oh, not, answer- not great. The pasty thing, right? Do you are pasties acceptable cold? Do you think? Yeah, I'll eat them any which way. Really? Yeah. I, so I that sounds the... awful. Yeah, and I just <laughs> if, it's, if it's got if it's got pastry and it's veg inside, it's good. And um, yeah, I'm your gal. Yeah, cool. Yeah, fair enough. I think the thing about pasties for me is, is that when they're hot, I feel like they're more perilous because they're always yes. deceptively hot sometimes, right? So like you can bite into it and then suddenly like it's hotter than the you sun. You do that. Then... <laughs> yeah, you do that. <laughs> abort, abort, and like, do I spit it out or do I just embrace yeah. it and then just burn yeah. a whole esophagus? Yeah, yeah. It's, there's a lot of pasty inflicted injuries going around at the <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. In your, so you were there for a week. How many pasties do you think you did? At least one a day, at least. Really? Yeah. Wow. Cheese and onion. Uh, oh, gosh. That's the one for me. Yeah, cheese and onion. Is it? Odd. Yeah, I do a good veggie pasty as well. But yeah, and then wash down with a nice... I only drink cider in Cornwall, so a nice pint of cider. Dude. And then, yeah. Do you know what? Living is... the dream, man. Yeah, that does sound pretty good. Does Is Cornwall known for cider? I didn't know that. I'm not sure it is. I'm just thinking, I went to a cider farm, actually, that, and then that made oh. me think, this is Cornish, but excellent blue light discount there. So I was oh, yeah. obviously, yeah. Um, and oh, yeah, and also randomly, an ex-colleague texted me whilst I was there and said, oh, I saw a photo, it looks like you're in Cornwall. 
I was like, yep, that's right. And then he was like, will you be a witness for my wedding? <laughs> like, uh-huh. I'm just getting married in the registry office. I was like, okay, I'm free that day. Nice. Ironically, yeah, both from both from Liverpool and they'd gone there just for kind of their, their the official, they'd got married abroad. They'd got there, yeah, they went right. there for like their official thing. And so they said that we need two witnesses. Can you bring your mum along as well? <laughs> so, oh, yeah, so I was fun. like, oh, hi, this is so-and-so who I used to work with. This is his wife who I've never met before. Yeah, it was just yeah. really random. I feel like it was like yeah. a typical day in the life of Bethan kind of thing. Like <laughs> that, that, that stuff just happens. And did your mum enjoy it? Oh, yeah, she was made up. I think she was a bit like, is this legit? Are you sure? <laughs> She's like, when was the last time that you well saw out. this guy? I was like, about a year ago. <laughs> like, I was like, yeah. So, yeah, she was. it was really cool. I think it was just that whole, we were a little tiny office, just my friend and his wife and then me and my mum. And it was that whole, does anyone have any objection? And then I was oh, there with like yeah. my little iPhone trying to take all the wedding photos. <laughs> Oh gosh, so, you're doing that as yeah. well. Wow, you really were. Yeah, I did an emergency trip to Morrison's, got some nice sunflowers. Yeah, it was <laughs> It was not the day that I thought we were going to have, but it was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, it was really good. Oh, that's nice. That's one yeah. of life's nice little surprises. Yeah, I enjoyed it, yeah. Cool, I'm all ready for our episode, but before we go through the topics of the week, we should shout out our sponsors. So at scrubs underscore UK, so they're spelled at S-C-R-B-S underscore UK. They design and produce scrubs for all sorts, for carers, dentists, doctors, nurses, vets, allied health professionals. It basically suits all of you. They make practical, durable, comfortable, great looking scrubs. I highly recommend them. I love them. And use our promo code, which is 2medics, T-W-O-M-E-D-I-C-S-10, to get 10% off. Do check them out. Treat yourself. They even Um, make them for cardiologists. I know, right? Even cardiologists get them. Even we can wear them, yeah, so that we can continue to break hearts while looking amazing (laughs) in them. (laughs) I feel like this feels like it was a really long time ago, but it was only the Mm. 22nd of September. Tazneem. She has been the centre of many... Lovely girl. But seems to just be the centre of things. And gosh, I wouldn't have expected this one. So her tweet from the 22nd of September, she says, The other day during a trauma call, I was taking the bloods when the consultant anaesthetist literally yelled at me in front of everyone, including the patient who was awake, for doing the sodium citrate blue bottle first, and therefore, in inverted commas, contaminating the rest of the samples. <laughs> I have to say, she's put it in. Helpfully, she's put in photos of what the different bottles are. Yeah, there's when two pieces of evidence. Citrate, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, sodium citrate, what is, she, what is that? Even? Yeah, what like, is that? I wouldn't even know. I'd be filling up a syringe with a, you know, yeah, a needle or whatever. Totes. Do you know what this is? Is this a thing? What is I, I knew there was an order of draw. I think I always was, I think I always thought yellow was first. Whatever is in yellow, I thought that was first. And then, and then, but then now Tasnima said this, it rings a bell. Because I remember thinking, oh, well, I'll always do the light blue at the end, which I've since found out is sodium citrate, because you need to fill that bugger up to the line, don't you? Oh, um, okay. But then if you do that first and you're using like a vacutainer or a butterfly, you get the airlock so it doesn't fill to the line. So I'm like, oh, mm. one, I think I remember. So, some, there is some sort of bell ringing somewhere. But in reality, how much difference does it make? I'm not convinced it does. I don't know. Does it? <laughs> you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> We're all like, duh. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I think if I was taking blood, you'd just be happy that I'd actually managed to draw the blood in the first place. Last <laughs> well, direct, you, directly from like... the femoral artery. Just the, like... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, look, look. Yeah, loads but of it. How I much? just... 
But also, obviously, there's that, the kind of incredulity of that kind of the preposterousness of that. But also that need to like shout about it. Can you imagine feeling so passionate about it that you need to like shout at the person in front of the patient? What? But it's it's a trauma call as well. It's horrible. So it's obviously done for like effect because this person has got their audience, haven't they? Like it's a ready-made audience trauma call. Is that what it is? I think so. I assumed that this this anaesthetist has completely lost control and they're just freaking out and that's Mm. what's going on. But no, do you think it's a kind of... I just think it's like... Yeah, and but also, like Tasneem's saying, if it was a genuine issue, like, why not just say, as he or mm. she is seeing them do it, just, oh, by the way, can you do this first, if they really give a shit about it that much? But mm. the fact that it's, I don't know, a trauma call is such a hustly bustly, there's lots of people there, isn't it? You've all, and this, I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's just a dick move, man. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you never catch a cardiologist behaving like that. It's... No, they're the, they're just, just angels, aren't they? We're, yeah, exactly. We're so calm, angels. and yeah, exactly. But anyway, kind yeah. and so collected. Like, yeah, exactly. I don't know. I think the thing is that isn't that just imagine just losing it over the order. I just I know, it blows my mind I that know. losing it over that's what's going to make you lose your mind. Gosh, but anyway, I mean, there's lots of stuff, isn't there, that was really vexatious. So there was a tweet from Dr. Tanya, and she seems to. Um, this did also, numbers, didn't it, this week? It this did, was, didn't it? This she, did numbers. She displayed kind of some messages, their WhatsApp messages from a PA. And do you yeah. want to tell them? Uh, yeah, so I think from trying to figure out the situation, obviously there's a lot of concern and discussion and debate about PAs and doctors and mm. stuff at the moment. And I think this was a WhatsApp screenshot from a previous job that Dr. Tanya had and her handle is at VeggieQualLife, Q-U-A-L Life. And yeah, so this, I'm just looking at this now, this had like over 700,000 views. And so yeah, I think this is all in retrospect. And Tanya said, uh, Dr. Tanya said, this is the job where I was the on-call doctor, extremely busy, and got messages from a PA working at, um, and then we've got in quotation marks, registrar level about war jobs Mm -hmm. like prescribed and ordering scans etc for patients whom the PA saw on the ward round so that the PA can go to their own clinics and theatres so the screenshot shows these messages and Dr Tanya saying we'll do ASAP absolutely crazy here fingers crossed we will blast through anything urgent I can do now and the PA responds not urgent but elective stuff should take priority really (laughs) unless there are sick patients there should be a doctor covering electives making sure the stuff is done as if I wasn't here who would be doing the jobs a they're not doing the jobs because they're handing them over to Tanya anyhow a bit of a follow-up message a bit of context and background and she just posted another screenshot of the list of jobs that the registrar level had asked her to do while she's obviously very busy coding the on-call bleep and it was TTOs fragment and antibiotic prescriptions IV antibiotic prescriptions essentially I don't know it's just odd because they were saying oh you need to prescribe this but I, I can't prescribe it but you need, it's just a weird flex, isn't it? But yeah, it's I think so it got a lot of I people, think... it, it just, play, not played, but it just added to that kind of debate, isn't it, that's ongoing at the moment. Do you think it was just purely the fact that it was a PA asking a doctor to do those, what, shall we say that they're routine things? Was it just that yeah. fact that was the kind of annoying bit because we know that PAs can't prescribe? It prob- it I don't was? think it's, yeah, no, I think it's, it is partly that because... One one of the kind of valid arguments is how can a PA work as registrar level when 
this person isn't able to order scans and prescribe medications or ionizing radiation scans and medications because of the lack of regulation, not the fact that they're not able to do it, but they can't do it. But I think so it's that kind of aspect. But then also the fact that the PA is then timetable to do theatre lists and clinic, whereas the trainee can't do that because they're on the ward having to do the PA's jobs plus cover the on-call bleep. So it's that kind of thing as well. And I just remember back from surgery, just having to stay on the wards, panicking for ARCP because I didn't have my logbook numbers, but then the AMPs handing all the ward jobs over to me so that they could go to clinic and do the shunt programming and all this kind of stuff. And just thinking like, how is this fair? Yeah. yeah. What do you think about it? It's just, it feels topsy-turvy when you describe it that way, because I get the impression, obviously that's not, I don't feel like it was ever how it was sold, or at least even now, how it's even spoken about in kind of general terms. The kind of general idea of PAs, at least how I understood it, or at least how I felt it was sold, was that they would be additional hands on deck on the ward, freeing you up to do so doing additional kind of war jobs to free you up to do other things and so they're billed as a kind of extra string to the bow of a team or whatever but essentially what's happening is that they're getting the opportunities for career progression and training training opportunities instead of the junior doctors and Mm. so I get so if I feel like obviously if training was amazing we didn't have to worry about our logbooks and we didn't mm. have to worry about theatre time, and we didn't have to worry about our salary. I feel like if those three things were addressed, then nobody would care yeah, totally. one bit about PAs, right? Totally agree. Um, but clearly, at the moment, and so there, there was another tweet, wasn't there, which was about there was a surgical skills course, yeah, which yeah. was like funded by HEE, and that was a two-week course, fully funded. Uh, yeah. Man, yeah. And whereas like surgical trainees, what they get one is it one day or like uh, basic? Yeah, no, we have to do BSS, basic surgical skills, which is like a two day course. I think it costs about right. a grand to do that, right. and it's literally just two days, bit of everything like abscesses, incisions, suturing, blah blah blah. But very much you have to do it essentially to mm. progress to like ST three at least, and obviously you have to fund it yourself and apply for the study leave so to have a two-week fully funded course where I'm not saying PA shouldn't be in theatre but that's not again that's not what my understanding was that when the whole kind of profession came over to the UK from the US I didn't appreciate again that was the thing so I can see it's so obvious like it's so clear then how there's some contention because like you say if everything was fine if we were actually trained in our training programs then it would be a different kettle of fish but yeah to feel like you're fighting against people for the opportunities that you applied for in a training program and it's this whole thing isn't it is it cheap is it cheaper is also are of the permanent non-rotational workforce so people take interest and back them up and stuff it's that's the other thing I think as well isn't it it's feeling othered us and them as well yeah totally it just seems funny though isn't it because if it was something that the cat's out of the bag okay so we wanted to do that we wanted them to do this but a lot of them want to have career progression as well understandably they get bored and stuff and they want to do all these things yeah, totally. and therefore they go but then 
it just seems a little bit beyond that when they're getting funding. The choices are being made. You're, you're mm. choosing to fund these surgical schools. Like, why are you doing that when you know that one of the main problems in a hospital is flow? Everyone's talking about flow and capacity and whatever. And you need hands on deck for people mm. to be doing discharge you need people to be doing those discharge letters promptly they're like oh we have to yeah. identify everyone for discharge at eight in the morning and you need those so you need people to be doing those things so why the hell are you funding courses for pas to be going to theater yeah. which everyone wants to do anyway there's no exactly. this, when you've got this unmet need like at the kind of coalface it doesn't make any sense and so that goes beyond stupidity and ignorance and that goes so yeah. what the hell's going on i can see why people are suspicious yeah and i think as well like i don't think like PAs like I do I've worked with PAs and they've been a, a totally invaluable member of the team and in, in worked with PAs in Obs and Gynae. and I think a PA doesn't go into that kind of course or job thinking oh I'm just going to get all the extra these extra opportunities that a junior doctor in a training program can't get that's not the thought process I don't think but I think they've been made this they've just been made this enemy Speaking. in a way by yeah by the mm. people who are like obviously much bigger than us whether that's hee or the government that mm. the way the things are so crap for postgraduate training that it's it's made that argument so even though as say pas didn't go into that wanting to be like this they've just been made that side essentially because it's like where else do people direct their anger other than the people that they're feeling not threatened by but just mm. those are the people that they're seeing in front of them taking all these clinics or theater lists or whatever that they need for their training portfolio to progress but I liked I liked Zach Ferguson's kind of mm. tweet from a couple of days ago that said my experience working with PAs in acute medicine has been entirely positive but if you're offering training experiences to PAs that you are not offering to doctors you're not only doing enormous damage to your juniors you're making the friction between the two groups worse and that's I think Agreed. essentially it in a nutshell isn't it that's it there was like a lot of spin-offs weren't there from tanya's original tweet which kind of involved the norfolk and norwich hospital where i've just where i've just been finished working the urology department there they got flamed Mm. oh my days flamed and i think that's because one of the consultants waded in basically like saying we should be kind and then copied in the gmc guidance and then it obviously the topic of i don't think he actually did at gmc but i guess i'm just looking at it now Yeah, it was like, I think it was that, that subtle, oh, you remember GMC, be kind, like, I'm just here to tell you. Yeah, Yeah. you can never forget, I never let you, but, and then it, obviously, like, on Twitter now, that these people here are just very, very adept at finding other shit, and basically just found, like, a paper, a poster that this guy also presented which was about PAs in the department yeah, I oh my that, god yeah. I was like oh yeah. just shaking my head oh mate oh god yeah um do you think detective work yeah there was and there were people like po- uh, posting like fake reviews of the and then you which were hilarious uh, I'm a space medicine st4 currently abroad the international space station I routinely observe the NNUH urology department through my telescope <laughs> and I have to say it's perhaps the best run to the department in the whole NHS the PAs are absolutely fantastic and a credit to their profession they could run the whole service single-handedly it's exactly what you expect from highly qualified professionals and then it goes on to with a, but wow right that's um, I know never yeah, that's, that's going to be a bit of goss for that department for a long time, I feel. It is. I feel like yeah. that, is, that whole thing is enough to enter Twitter law, I feel, at least. Um, yeah, I think that's that's going to be a thing, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. 
and then UH Urology, never forget. <laughs> Copying in the GMC, like this, this is something that it's happened so many times that if like when people do it, I'm like, how can you not know if it's okay chronically online or not? It's happened so many times that surely we should know. Oh, not to uh, I just so don't I know like how people... it's someone's first port of call. If you're upset about something, the fact that something goes through your mind to say, oh, I'm just going to mention the GMC to this person. Like it was, it's far, it's so far down my list of things, unless it was something like obviously really catastrophic and really unsafe. But to stuff like this on Twitter, the fact yeah. that some, that is, and we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago with Ronan's tweet about the glass file and the mean girls, meal girls, that sounds like a film I'd want to watch, but yeah, <laughs> mean girls quote, wasn't it about yeah. how this person came in and again tagged the GMC. Do you know, yeah. it's an interesting like tangent, I think, that, that someone it's, goes straight to that. Yeah, it's wild. But you copied in this really interesting tweet, which turned GMCing into an actual verb. Do you want to copy that? Yeah, Do you yeah. Mention that. Yeah. Yeah. So this was so this was a quote tweet. The original quote tweet was making comment about how we say to date X someone is like the our GMCU is now the new to date X kind of verb. Right. And, and mate, I can't wait for you to flawlessly pronounce this lady's name. I. So, Ema. Yep. I'm going to say. What great name is Irish? Ema Mel. I love Irish names, but I haven't got. Yeah. I'm going to say Ema. I definitely know it's the first. Her first name is definitely pronounced Ema. And then maybe she can tell us if she listens how to pronounce that name because it looks awesome. Yeah. Anyhow, Ema says, uh, I was told that GMC, oh God, I can't even say the verb, GMCable by my educational supervisor because I travelled home to Ireland for family support and investigations and management when I was sick. I was, in quotation marks, evading normal procedures because I opted not to continue treatment in the NHS. So firstly, you've got someone going through some serious stuff by the sounds of it. And then for your supervisor to threaten... I'm going to GMC you for, for what? For looking after your own health? Bonkers for needing family idea. support? It's gross. Sorry that happened to I you, just, Ema. That's it's, just shite. It's just, yeah, people are just... I think that's the thing, isn't it? I think it, I think for a person to do it, I think there's like an element... There's like an element of comfort, isn't it? People only ever really take that... Adopt that position from a feeling of comfort because they feel like they themselves are safe. Yeah. Because it's wielded as a weapon isn't it and the implication there is that I can make your situation precarious by wielding this like suggestion and it's it's so smug and condescending at the same time at best it's condescending and at the worst it's malicious isn't it so stop doing it people basically just stop doing it just quote tweet them or just write a sarcastic meme or do a little clown yeah. emoji. You don't need you to d- do all you, this. Yeah, stuff. you don't even have to be kind. You don't even have to yeah. go that far. You just, just don't have to, just don't be a dick, as I just feel like we say it. that all the time. But just, yeah. yeah, you don't have to, yeah, yeah, just don't. Gosh. Oh, gosh. You put in a tweet from Meme Reg about the bleep alert. Uh, oh, yeah, no, me. I didn't. This made me laugh because it sounds like, it looks like rather, a very old, old. poster. Yeah. But who knew? This is obviously very important information. Your hospital bleeps performance will be considerably reduced if smothered. If only, you know? right? I know, I was going to say, is that like a living, breathe, like bleeps are now a living, breathing entity. Suffocate yeah, those bitches, so man. Suffocate them. I hate them. Yeah, I like, I, when I was in... 
when I was in Norwich, I had a phone, a deck phone. And I didn't like that because you had to answer straight away, right? So yeah, can't you can't just have that pause, can you? And so I'll bring that number back, yeah. Exactly. Whereas if you've got a bleep and you're in the bog, then you can finish. You can wash your hands or whatever. Yeah. A number of times. I used to like answering my phone, though, in the bog, just to make people feel a bit guilty. Be like, just like, I'm why is it right so now. echoey? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I literally always be like, I'm in the loop. Can I call you back? <laughs> yeah. And then I'd purposefully, even if it was just a wee, I'd still wait about 10 or 15 minutes afterwards. So they'd be like, oh, he's doing a poo. That? I love that. He's doing a poo. I like his yeah. game. Yeah, you just want to keep that. that. You just want to keep that person. That yeah. Caller. It had a fecal mystery about you through <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you want them to think twice next time they call you oh my god mm, what if i call him again he's still in the shit yeah. there you go just a little tip for you guys but now i'm in Papworth, it's all bleeps again so i can't do that uh, anymore maybe i'll answer it in the toilet anyway and be like yeah i'm in the toilet yeah mid-strain yeah i'm in the toilet happy to take so. your call yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh the, talking about bleeps though i was watching you must have seen as loads of tweets about it that the original cardiac arrest series has been um, oh, on yeah. bbc4 so that was something that jed mercurio wrote when he was still a doctor i believe but he wrote it under oh. a pseudonym at that time and then when that kind of took off i think that's when he quit his medical career and became a writer full-time but in ah. the last series there's the bleeps constantly are going off through the entire thing and I think it's very much that is it that like Pavlovian response where you just hear the noise <laughs> and then you instantly there's this behavior but yeah, yeah there's a the I think one of the one of the episodes is about one of the junior doctors who pretty much just loses it over the incessant bleeping and I think mm. we probably all felt that but yeah yeah smother them it seems smother them i definitely find with the when i was at nnuh i developed a real aversion to the ring to- we had a particular ringtone for our the red oh, phone yeah and even if someone else was holding it but it was in the room like i'd feel like a real like visceral reaction in my body like whenever i heard that phone ring mm. it's really annoying whereas i think the sound of obviously the telemetries and stuff i've got used to and whatever you just- yeah you block that just out, comes them out yeah. in a way yeah but that tele- that telephone honestly honest to god used to give me like this kind of proper like hatred like i used to sometimes yeah. fantasize about taking the phone and then just like throwing it really hard against the wall and watching it just explode into tiny millions of pieces yeah. I and then like, it would probably still it. do this final defiant ring <laughs> just this little chipboard yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What is it, Japan? The Japan was. Oh. <laughs> the yeah, <end>. definitely. <laughs> yeah, I, I was at the top floor in a bit. I, I think I was F one, and I was at this top floor, and it was one of the new buildings where I worked, and it had four, four floors with a spiral staircase in the middle. And I don't know what happened, but I like I bent down to tie my shoelace or something, and my bleep fell off my waistband and through the middle of this spiral staircase to the bottom oh, floor. No. And the, right. this atrium was like full of people. And I was like, oh my God, watch out! Trying to get people to <laughs> yeah. scatter. And this bleep literally hit the floor. Luckily, didn't hit anyone. It bounced. Right. And then oh, I like ran down, sake. and somehow the battery was still in it. And it still was bloody working. And I was like, Those what? Things. Yeah, no wonder they cost a fortune, man. Yeah. Those things are just indestructible, annoyingly. Do you see that? So you linked a tweet from Jonathan who said, I worked for two trusts where patients had complained. So another form of communication device, right? Complained about seeing staff using mobile phone devices on the ward. 
The responses from management were very different, and I think say a lot about the prevailing attitude towards employees. Trust One printed posters for every ward that explained to patients that they may see staff using mobile devices, but should be reassured this was the, for the purposes of patient care and communication with other staff. When I was at Wasafa Hospital, they did that. Trust Two mm-hmm. sent out an email banning staff from having mobile phones in clinical areas, reminding them how unprofessional it was and say, unprofessional, of course, and saying if they needed to be contacted in an emergency to give out the ward phone number to their school babysitter, etc. Wow, no, no. way. Obviously, who's that phone? Yeah. Obviously, the second policy was implemented without speaking to staff or the obvious pitfalls such as doctors working across multiple wards or the use of work email, WhatsApp, clinical guidelines on mobile devices might have come up. Not really sure what my point is here, other than it really highlights <laughs> the difference good management can make. Yeah, I guess I can see the difference in the two, particularly because I can imagine the uh, response number two about the unprofessional being written like by, by someone who just knee-jerk responds to uh, yeah. a complaint or whatever with that email without thinking. Yeah, instead seconds. of trying to rationalise, and if that, it, does, it definitely sounds like a, a complaint, doesn't it? Instead of saying, oh, actually the staff might be having their phones out for x y or z it's or we'll just tell we'll just tell everyone off instead but yeah what made me think about that treat was recently i was meeting with my in my new psych rotation i met with my supervisor and we were mm. going through some things and everything obviously is like on the computer and on like line there's no paper notes at all and i couldn't access the wi-fi in my consultant's room or my laptop so i was using my phone to document some of the stuff that he was telling me like on my email app and he was just like can I ask what you think you're doing and I'm like oh no no this meeting that we're having I told you I need to document it I'm just trying to be proactive and something was either straight in my portfolio or an email or something and he was like oh I'm just checking because I thought you were just like checking social media or something and I was I'm sitting right next to you you can see what like I'm doing and then conversely in like our regional GP teaching sessions one of the GPs she's really cool and she's always encourages people just to get their phones out in the middle of teaching to record the CPD as like we're doing it like on our portfolios she's do it now everyone puts it off and I'm just like it's that total opposite and I think everything is on electronic devices now isn't it and I think people were just going to have to get used to it as long as when you're actually speaking to patients you're speaking to them obviously it's different if it's through teams but yeah i just think people need to get with the program right and what total busybody energy being like oh what if you were checking social media for a second what is it so what your complete undivided attention has to be there 100 percent of the time you can't that's impossible man especially when you've got adhd Yeah, exactly. Just li- people live. Is, is what is it? I don't know. Why do the people have to dictate where your eyes are, like one hundred percent of the yeah. time? Nice. Yeah, that's a really good point. I know. I just it's very. I don't know. I know I'm straying into other territory here, but it's it does get ableist in like the most basic sense in a way because lots of people literally rely on their devices for so many different things, yeah. and I think just to cast that judgment or that aspersion mm. without even trying to find out is. Oh yeah, exactly. That is that was the default assumption. If you're going on social media, like, why did yeah. it have to be that? Why couldn't you have the benefit of the doubt? Like, <laughs> I wanted to see... say to him, like, what makes you think I have friends? <laughs> just, <laughs> but no, do you yeah. know, just to line them up. But I just, yeah, I, was, yeah, I was like, yeah. no, I just told you, like, we're documenting stuff. I'm just doing it on my phone because my laptop doesn't work. That's yeah. it. It's like, oh, well, yeah, it's weird, busy, isn't it? Busybody. Yeah. So moving on, there's a, a tweet from Bella. 
Bella Roschetti, and she was saying some advice for senior doctors working with unconfident SHOs. Don't assume a lack of confidence equals lack of competence. Don't berate them for it. I experienced this and it only made my lack of confidence worse. Now I'm in a positive environment and guess what? Confidence is back. It's interesting, isn't it? How, mm. how I think, doesn't it speak to how in a hospital people are very quick, really quick to give you negative feedback, but it's really it's yeah. hard to come across actual praise. Yeah, and I think it's that whole thing, isn't it? That lack of confidence, the assumption that it's made and it's you could be quite a clinically poor person but be really bolshy and mouthy and I guess what we think of maybe as like male traits I know that's very Mm. gendery but it is that kind of commanding confident type of nature isn't it and then as women we're always told oh you should speak up blah 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 but like you say it doesn't that those quiet kind of reserved people nothing about them but it's that insinuation I just I hate it yeah hate it these are behaviors that championed in kind of male children growing up and not and they're weeded out of female children Mm. as they're growing up because they're encouraged more to fit in and be like amenable isn't it exactly and then suddenly you're in this environment where you're told actually when you're growing up all that all of that is wrong and actually you have to do you do have to actually act like the boys it's all just backwards and the wrong way around yeah whatever you're doing Bella keep doing it ma'am chatty medicine do you want to tell them about this one yeah i like this one as you can tell i love to talk (laughs) yeah me too we're doing the right thing with the podcast but yeah this was (laughs) this was a quote tweet and the original quote tweet was by luella vaughan at dr lk vaughan and it was part of a of a thread that she wrote and was talking about how the routine of work becomes tolerable rather than enjoyable over like the long term anyhow the quote tweet by trisha elliott at trisha underscore the underscore doc said i have said to many trainees over the years that they will have to put up with my somewhat chatty style of medicine i explained to them that as well as allowing me to find out lots of interesting stuff from patients and trainees it has also kept me happy and motivated over time And I think for me, this is why I'm in medicine partly. And I think it's why I've loved Jerry so much because there is a lot of talking. There's a lot of like social history, that kind of stuff, and a lot of investigating and digging. And I think it's what I hoped I would get from GP, but not quite doable at the minute with how things are. But yeah, I think for me, and it's not about being nosy. I think it's probably, for me, it's more about being interested and just fascinated by like people and their backgrounds and what's going on for them and then having that ability to maybe be able to do something to help them but not just your patients but your colleagues as well and it reminded me a bit of what Imran was saying last week about medical students might come and expect to be taught about the rotator cuff or whatever I think he said but he instead is like are you happy in life what are you doing in life (laughs) what makes what, what keeps you going and stuff so it's yeah it's just that interested kind of Thing, I think well maybe you can call it nosy I don't know no I know definitely what you mean I do quite the colorful conversations that you get to have with patients and I definitely think it's the kind of most fun I have in terms of because uh, I also quite like to be unserious and try yeah. and be lighthearted about stuff because obviously stuff is serious isn't it and to try and make mm. light of it and disarm people and stuff I think can be like really invaluable and so even though I often feel when you get told oh this next patient's got a relative who's really intense and whatever 
and then going in and just disarming them I think uh, is a really like powerful feeling afterwards and I definitely do think that one I like I was always obsessed with trying to be like funny and affable and stuff and so I definitely think it's one of my favorite things about the job and I do think it makes it less mundane because otherwise yeah it can be quite mundane if you're just going through like the same questions again and again with people so I get with people but hopefully both sides get something from that Um, yeah definitely it's probably a happy medium isn't it and I think it's that thing about of course yeah we we work to live I guess essentially like that's just a mm. fact isn't it but yeah. there has to be something like I'm not saying you have to be enamored but there has to mm. be something that makes it worth your while because you can't sustain that otherwise but mm. someone made a very good point about how the one of the bad things about the way the NHS is designed is through measuring success in throughput so that's all about efficiency yeah, isn't true. it and I guess flow, that takes yeah. away some of that time where you might mm. do what fills your cup kind of thing amongst everything else that kind of like gps are battered with do you think that's probably one of the many reasons why there must be so much gp dissatisfaction is that the appointment time's been reduced cut so much that how can you really have a a normal conversation you can't you really can't because then it's all it's like the documenting and stuff as well so you're not you don't even have like your consultation time but Hmm. like anecdotally I've heard from people who have CCT'd and gone to work and have still managed to secure 15 minute appointment slots rather than 10 Um, and 15 minutes is still not loads but Hmm. it's better you're not it doesn't feel so rushed and there are things that are literally going to take a few minutes and those are quite nice because for both yourself and the patient you can get things boxed off and go on and move on and go about your day kind of thing but when you have something that warrants a bit more, I think just the 10 minute is just, it's just brutal. And I think no one can feel like they're doing a good job in that situation. So not only does the patient probably feel like it's been a waste of time, but also it's so unsatisfying and it's a massive Mm. downer when you think, oh my gosh, I've not done anything productive. Mm. Yeah. 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 Fair enough. One of many Um, reasons, mate, many reasons. (laughs) (laughs) So on the topic of, so you mentioned Jerry's and there was a kind of a tweet that you linked of that regarding that about the, it's actually, it's a a quote tweet of an account I've blocked, but anyway. Uh, yeah no this this kind of fed into all my all my stuff because I love like say I love Jerry's because I'm a nosy person but also Mm. the surgical side of things as well and it was the original quote tweet was something about how Jerry's should be or is going to become every surgeon's specialty because of aging population and so on but Mm. I think that's quite insulting to geriatric medicine as a specialty And Dr. Adam Gordon made a a very good comment and said, it's the we're all geriatricians now argument, which always begs the response, if that's the case, why are so many doctors so bad at caring for older people with frailty? And that's it. That's the nail hit on the head. I'll be delighted when more doctors undertake training to make them more competent geriatricians. I've seen that myself. Like, Coming, being in psych now, I'm being like older person psych, and just by chance, I've seen some of the people that I looked after when I was on Jerry's on the frailty mm. unit, and the difference in them after being seen having a 
proper focused comprehensive geriatric assessment deprescribing all this kind of stuff and then to see them now is like unrecognizable and I, that's just that's obviously that's a very small sample size of the people that I've seen but I think that's essentially it like people are hmm. bad at looking after like doctors are bad at looking after older people especially frailty hmm. and acute frailty and why do you think that is? Is it because we're bad at recognising frailty or we don't place enough importance on it or we just, was it just pure ignorance mm. or lack of interest or, or lack of drugs? I think potentially a lot, all of those things, but I also think as well, it probably goes against quite a lot of the stuff that we were probably taught. And I think that's why surgeons can be, appear quite ageist and don't get me wrong, many are ageist. That's not a, that's not an observation. It's not a comment, it's an observation, sorry, but because when I was in neurosurgery, sometimes they would just look at the age of the referral, not everyone. And to be fair, this would often come, cause arguments and stuff because mm. someone would say, oh, it's a 70 odd year old. Oh, they had a good life. And then one of the other consultants oh, God, would be wow. like, no, you don't. You can't. You can't say that. Let's find out mm. about them. And they had a very good performance status and probably better than someone who's in their 40s, for example. Mm. So it's that kind of and it goes against that kind of grain. And I think as well, people are large is very acute isn't it gung-ho I guess a lot of specialties can be and wanting to do things whereas I guess one of the big skills that I felt in Jerry's when I worked there was that kind of more holistic side of things like it's not just the medicine it's the social aspect it's a bit of the psychological aspect physio and things but also tailing back so you're de-prescribing rather than prescribing and just making people have a meaningful quality of life rather than I must treat this sorry through oh, heart attack yeah no you're so <laughs> but, right that's pretty apt for cardiology actually because I think sometimes cardiology I think unfortunately we can go both ways I think it can be difficult to draw the line between what we're doing to try and affect prognosis but also like really factoring in like quality of life and stuff. And a lot of the interventions that we do, like when you said someone in their 70s, I was like, wow, that's like kind of the average age of people you probably see in cardiology. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, exactly. So I guess, and but a lot of the time there, the question is, there's a lot of things that you can potentially do, but whether you should be doing them or not. And sometimes mm. I think the geriatricians or like palliative care anyway, they're very good at being like, well, what good is this doing? How much quality yeah. are we affording that person? Is it really yeah. is it worth it to it's them? It's the bigger picture, isn't it? Yeah. Interesting, interesting. Well, yeah, and they're talking about how, I guess one of the the kind of conclusions I saw from that thread, though, was that everyone needs to have more training in ger- like in geriatrics. And I'm like, no, oh, no, 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 we're going to force people exams. to do... Oh, and e-learning. <laughs> oh, but it's like this argument where the people say every specialty doctor should do GP and having been yeah, a yeah. specialist and also now a GP trainee. Absolutely not. If I yeah. was as, as a neurosurgery trainee, I could, I can be understanding of what happens in GP. Like I can do that without having to work in GP. You don't need to work in it. It's just the fact that obviously I'm just using my own experience as an example, but it's just the fact that some of my colleagues just didn't care. Like they just, Mm. whatever. But this whole, yeah, I I think when people say, oh, everyone should work in this specialty. A&E I think is different. I do think everyone should work in A&E. That is, yeah. And in your neurosurgery, you have to, one of your rotations has to be in A&E. Yeah. I feel like the... The reason for that, though, I think, more than 
because that isn't though to have an appreciation of what it's like no it's for skill yeah Yeah, no exactly yeah that's and I think that's and that's the difference it's for the skill and and I'm not sure that forcing everyone to do a Jerry's rotation is good in terms of the skill because I think these are things that we could all pick up within our own specialties especially that are pertinent to the people that we see but it's more the fact that like I feel for example sometimes with orthopedics or whatever they're like oh we fixed this hip now we've got ortho jerry's now but it's just all we've done what we can and it's just turf out move on to the next kind of thing whereas but that's just because of throughput isn't it and demand we can't do everything for everyone yeah fair enough that's it's interesting that you brought up a because ian birdsell he did a little tweet didn't he where he asked do emergency physicians have an insecurity problem this guy isn't he is an emergency medic he's an emergency physician and he says if you're a gp or hospital consultant how do you view your a colleagues be as honest as you dare <laughs> to you we failed specialists who couldn't cut it elsewhere or something else actually there's only was like five replies but one of them said have huge respect for ed workers don't know how you do it i've yet to meet a colleague in this difficult specialty who has not been an excellent and highly skilled specialist oh gosh all right that's a bit gushing what do you think <laughs> yeah i know i just thought it was interesting i just saw that tweet and i thought i wonder how that's come about and i wondered if it was had that person had a bad day. Obviously, they're any any consultant, and I just was wondering, yeah, what prompted them to ask that question? Mm. Do you think we're failed specialists? But to me, I think like when I think of A and E consultants, I just think badass. I don't know what it is, but I just think total badass people. I don't think I think of them as any failed specialists or mm. that they couldn't do anything else. I think it's more the other way around. I think not everyone can be. It can do any, like it's definitely the other way around, in my opinion. Yeah, hundred percent. I think you do get a special type of person who, you, for yeah. each specialty, I feel like there yeah, are certain so kind of personality traits that are drawn to different specialties, and A and E is like the other specialties. It has a certain type of person, and I have to say mm. that most of them that I've come across have usually been quite kind of humble people. Yeah. And the reason why I say that is because they just have to, they've had to take so much abuse and just nonsense, usually from us in specialties. He'll be like, Not done, just patients, have you done, is it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was the Japonian done at four hours or was it five hours? Yeah. And like asking all these ridiculous questions and they're just going to be like, yeah, oh no, we'll do this or yeah. whatever. And generally I found that they are the kind of most laid back in that way. And like working in A&E, just watching them, and seeing them take nonsense and they're not appetite for it, but just the stomach for it, which is not fair yeah. at all, obviously. Yeah. But that's one thing that I was always impressed by. I also like the fact that they need to know so much about so many different things. And the yeah, they literally need to know everything about anything, don't they? Like reducing I, I your shoulder. Just, but form of yeah. And, it, and like how it can just literally be like complete three not 360 because that's a circle complete 180 that's what <laughs> I mean when it's yeah. like going from one thing to the next and I just yeah it's a it's an interesting vibe I've always enjoyed if I was in medicine and on call and going down to Amy and stuff and just being glad that I could see the medical patients and then back off because it's I feel like where sometimes people say GP is the dumping ground for community if people just divert it's I feel like A&E is a bit sometimes in a bit of a similar boat sometimes they just end up with people like battling over things and they're just stuck in the middle but there was there was a survey and I don't think this is like surprise to anyone essentially there was a, a survey done by the American Medical Association about kind of burnout and stuff and the most the six most stressful medical specialties they ranked and of course at the top it was emergency medicine 
And then I think it was like general medicine, then family medicine, which is GP, I guess, pediatrics, obs and gynae, and then, oh, internal medicine. medicine, different from hospital medicine. That's a bit of a weird one, isn't it? I don't really know. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess all the, all the ones that you would think, like all the generalist specialties plus obs and gynae feel like mm. it's, they're probably yeah. like the highest rate of burnout. Yeah. Do you think partly I can, you can explain the A&E thing from the fact that it's, the rote is obviously very um, oh, course. Yeah. unsociable. So there's that. And also I saw some data recently to just show the proportion of presentations to A&E, which are now considered non-urgent, or at least would have been considered non-urgent and they're presenting to A&E in greater numbers. Do you think those are the, and obviously, do you think people are burnt out from COVID and stuff or... Do you think it's getting yeah, worse? And... I wonder, I think, yeah, so, yeah, I wonder if it's, because I think about GP and I and why people get burnt out in GP. And I guess yeah. it's that, there is that element of kind of bit post-COVID and stuff. But I think also the fact that, similar to what we were just talking about, how, you, like, the system that you've got is probably not the system that you wish you worked in. And, you, you, you're you being faced with completely undifferentiated patients in GP or emergency medicine and you're that first person and I guess a lot of both colleagues and patients' frustrations are probably aimed at you and you just there's things that you want to do and you can't and there's waits for beds and 10 minute appointments and all this kind of stuff and I guess it's high through throughput as well because I think when I was working on medical specialties it, as you do the ward round or you do your clinic and then you do your operating list and then you'd see some emergencies you'd have your lunch break in between if it was a decent day and you, your days mm. planned out you know what to expect and I guess in GP and emergency medicine like you really don't know what to expect similarly to when you're on call and it's that heightened like fight off flight kind of responses and I always used to feel like when I'm on call I've always got that bit of adrenaline and you're doing mm. a night shift and you don't know what's gonna come in and I guess it can be a bit like that and it's just constant like seeing patients isn't it, it doesn't seem to be that lull I guess it's quite a yeah quite heavy quite a lot of brain power yeah yeah the, just because we, there are a few more topics that I wanted to discuss including one that was the there was a tweet about the NHS National Healthcare Uniform colorways oh. announced a uniform for healthcare workers did you have any impressions when you saw this did you think so what, when i saw this before i saw the beef when i saw this i literally was like please god please let there not be one for doctors because oh, i am not wearing that and then I realised actually people were pissed off that there wasn't one for yeah. doctors but i was like come on guys are you literally going to turn around now and say that you're quite happy to wear a national NHS kind of tunic uniform. Yeah. That's something that we've never wanted or we can wear scrubs, man. There you go. Yeah. Use the two medics promo code. There we got that yeah. in again. But <laughs> yeah, no, but we should do it. But I just thought, why are we getting asked about this now? Do you think people are just so angry now? Because downtrodden and just oh, feel you know, so low that they're just ready to latch onto anything to be yeah, like, oh, and I that think people, well. People love Trevor Cobb on as well, don't they? I just, yeah. A it's Cobb maybe on, that's it feeds, nice. A Cobb on, yeah. It's probably, maybe that's a, a Welsh way of saying it. But is, that like, is that to do with corn on the cob? Or no? no, that's a good... Actually, I don't know where it comes <laughs> from. Yeah, like in a grump, in a mood, like absolutely right. tamping. 
having a that's cob gonna on. be the name of the episode that's gonna be the name cob on. yeah so if you if, but say if you were put in charge which you know i'd, I'd welcome i'd vote for that what would you if we had to wear a uniform and you had to design mm. it, and you could use you could use that Scrubs underscore UK as your kind of supplier. How <laughs> as my would base, you? What would yeah. you design? As your base, what yeah, would you design? What would you put? How would oh, you I don't know. Like, I guess work? like Scrubs is such an obvious choice, but I would like proper fitted Scrubs. So like right. you could have you could have like wide flares, wide, wide leg flares. Whoa, you can have a bit of a skinny yeah. trouser. You can have a straight leg trouser. No, this have, is too. I know. I you can have a. You could have. What would you? You could have a paper bag. No, these are. This is. So I would say that these are the range of trouser styles available oh, I and so it's not that like all classic man scrub shape and then right it, I would just have just really well fitted scrubs of various right. styles because I just don't know what else I don't know and I love and I, I know this is so cliche but I do love the shirts yeah. and chinos thing on a boy or a girl I just think right. it looks clean and nice and crisp and smart and I love yeah. wearing my smart clothes to work again now that I'm out to scrub but then I appreciate that not everyone does if that makes sense. Yeah. So why couldn't you have, why couldn't you prescribe the uniform as being literally issue chinos and a shirt? Beige chinos and a blue shirt. Yes. With a little NHS sign on it. Yeah, there you go. That's the official I'm going to chime in. Yeah, fine. But I'm going to chime in with mine, which would have, you'd have a utility belt and a cape which would be like, which you could shroud over like a knight, so you could shroud it over like a quill. Yes. It'd be detachable. And you could have Velcro things that you could attach to yourself so that you could attach, you know, like pockets and stuff. I find it's good, but like, you know, when you're walking and it's swinging around in your pockets and it's pulling your trousers in all kinds of different directions. Yeah. I want more Velcro. But maybe yeah. that's why I'm not in charge because I think maybe a cape would no, be No, I like that. And I like the cape idea. And if I'm having a cob on with a colleague and I can do a dramatic <laughs> turn and yes. swoop and then I'll just fly off like a bat like Dracula. Yeah, so where yeah. did she go? Nice. Exactly. Yeah, man, I, I take my chinos back. I am well going for the scrubs cape. Cape, yeah, good. I'm glad you're on board. Okay, <laughs> there was a tweet you linked in about being a hype woman. Um, I like this one. Oh, I love this. Like, we need more people yeah. like this. Yeah, this is, I felt this with every fibre of my being because I just feel, I'm always worried about being probably like a bit too much, but this girl got it. So this was a tweet from the 24th September by Kate Kelly, at Kate underscore Kelly underscore ESQ, I have a friend who spends 100% of her time online hyping up other women. You cannot post a single thing without a sincere compliment from her. It's just relentless buoyancy gorgeous brilliant congratulations striving to spend more of my wild and precious life this way i was just oh. like oh i like I I love more people this. like that yeah it's yeah, they're like it's, the opposite it's... you get some people who have energy vacuums this is like something else oh, they adjust totally. the balance they're like trees yeah. converting carbon dioxide to oxygen i just uh, yeah I just genuine like happiness and yeah. like say it's it's like that thing about they say when you not that i've been out for a long time in this kind of sense but girls would always meet other girls in bathrooms when you were out at the pub and on nights out and stuff. And it'd be yeah. like that girl code that you'd never met them before, but suddenly you were best friends because you met in the yeah. bathroom and you're talking about everything and anything. And it, it was just that thing of people lifting each other up. Yeah. It's, uh, well, I think yeah. Guys would have that as well, like in the toilet where you'd just be like, I don't know, but that's usually after you've had a few drinks. Like, yeah. yeah, it's more of a I night guess. out thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then you'd have, and they'd have that. Do they? I don't know if they do that these days. But you know, at the end of nights, 
for people now, do they still play The Killers as the last song? Or is it, is oh, it like Mr. Brightside, that was always, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've what not do, been out in that know? sense for a long time. Maybe young people, maybe the young Have stars can, can tell us what's the last song of the night these yeah. days. It's probably like Dua Lipa or some young person singing. Yeah, imagine. some oh. other hip, cool person. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which... Man. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> uh, apart from you, you're, you're the only hip. Oh, thank you. Roshana did a tweet where she said, My pseudo celebrity status is a following I have gathered, garnered from tackling different. Oh, so this is where she was. Oh, God, I've introduced this badly. But basically, <laughs> she got cussed out, didn't she? Someone said, Yeah, someone, someone was being arsy. It's sad that you choose to promote your pseudo celebrity status in the medical community by stoking division between different medical professionals who, on the whole, work very hard and try to do their best when it comes to looking after patients and, and the handle is at a yeast which looks like arse eats but anyway yeah i'm like are they being serious but anyway she replies saying my pseudo celebrity status is a following i have garnered from tackling difficult topics it's a difficult topic it requires addressing i will address it you address yes. away Roshana. sticking divisions i call it critically appraising oh that's fancy is a very poor policy and inappropriate lack of regulation. Thanks. Thumbs up. Is wait, is Roshana a celebrity? Um I feel like that's quite a big thing to say. No, I I don't I don't know. Oh. I feel like I don't know. I think people oh it's it's so different though, isn't it? I think Roshana is, is well known. I don't know she what is. how I'd characterize celebrity. I'm not yeah. sure I would put it in that category, but I think and it, but I do get thing because I feel like I know a lot of people from social media, yeah. and I think of them all as well known. And then I expect other people, so I would expect other people to know who Roshana is within medicine, if that makes sense. Like I'd expect yeah. other doctors to maybe know. I don't know what the case is, but it was just like the really arsy tone of this in terms of yeah. the argument, whatever. I don't saying this crap about stoking division between different medical professions i'm not commenting on that but it's this fact that they had to get in that pseudo celebrity yeah exactly dig. It? it's just yeah it's because i feel like it's not necessary so i reckon roshana uh, was probably famous from the initial initial from the 2016 yeah yeah and there's yeah. like that kind of iconic photo of her yeah. with a megaphone and of course she's good looking and stuff and so she's like memorable but then then there's there are times where she's spoken which is like She's articulated stuff so well. and I guess Oh, gosh, she's got an incredible like, platform, yeah. Right? And she's quite compelling. But it's just funny, isn't it? Because I don't think she'd describe herself or want to describe herself as a celebrity. So this person has picked mm. up on the fact that she's got quite a lot of followers. And they're like, you're using your... Like, but sometimes people just say stuff that they think. and But then they're like, oh, but you're... Who is she speaking on behalf? She's speaking on behalf yeah. of herself and probably the other colleagues she thinks she's advocating for. But she's not got an elected position or whatever so what is it I don't know it's just really it's like it's it's off her own back back, isn't it it? she's yeah yeah, she's doing all this work off her own back she owes nothing to no one and like I say she's tackling some really difficult topics and she continues to be a mum a postgraduate trainee a surgical trainee Mm. and there's like lots of things I feel like that she's spoken about in her tweets that are probably like stacked against her so fair play yeah, but yeah, totally. did you see, I think it was, oh God, it was years ago when Roshana got married and the pa- I think it was the Daily Mail ran an article oh. of like photos from the wedding because I think they oh, had um, Je- they had Jeremy Hunt masks for the, oh, for the yeah, wedding. God. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, of obviously the 2016 strikes. But 
So she's de- there. You go. You've made it into a slander article of the Daily Mail. Therefore, you are yeah, a celebrity. Sure. Roshana oh, is enough. a celebrity. I will say that. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Oh my god. Okay. So we are coming up to time. But I think you have the perfect end tweet for the end of the episode, which is number which fifty-seven. One? I'm just oh, this like this made me concerned, but also really funny at the same time. Yeah. So this was a tweet from a couple of days ago, September the twenty-eighth, by Paul Lyons at P Lyons L Y O N S two five one who was obviously just recounting a situation he'd had today. Sitting next to a consultant today, she just randomly starts laughing, proper chortling. I was like, what is it? And she just said, I'm just so done, and walked away giggling. And it was such a mood. I loved it. And I just, I feel like that sentiment captures everything that we probably feel right now is like that delirious, like, what the F is going on right now, but proper... This is so ridiculous. You can only laugh Mm. about it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I think that's like a perfect... We are also so done. We are at the end of the episode. Yeah. It's good to have you back. We've been... I think we've been quite productive this week. We got through quite a lot of our topics. Yeah, we did. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I feel like every week there's a lot going on. Metroid does not disappoint. Yeah. It does. You know what? I think I have to say thank you for doing the newsletter. It's got... I've had a few people message me about it and be like, oh, they really like it. I need to, yeah, I forgot. I meant to mention that in the introduction. I forgot about it already. We've only done it for two weeks. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, we are doing a kind of, yeah, just like a show notes newsletter kind of recap. Comes out with the episode every Monday. And it's just putting all the links and the main topics discussed in one place. Because I know we mentioned quite a lot of tweets and it's sometimes hard to find them. Yeah, we the two medics will retweet it, but you can sign up on the link and either get it straight to your inbox or post it on Twitter as well. And I guess just all the links are there should you want to peruse any of the topics mm. discussed at your pleasure. So, yeah, we'll keep doing that and see how it goes. Oh, yeah. So you can enjoy us in whatever medium you like. So if you don't want to hear yeah. my voice, then I completely <laughs> Eyes, understand. Ears. Yeah. yeah We've exactly. not got a taste version yet. You haven't. Oh, my God. Don't give everyone ideas. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah, that'll be the next money maker. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, we'll be like a holographic, like it'll we'll appear Uh, in someone's bedroom. Just oh gosh. No, that's awful. No, scrap that. Just do the the newsletter and the podcast. This is how we make this is how we make the tabloid. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Bethan, for another awesome episode. And yeah, see you guys next week. Oh, and so strike days tomorrow, the next couple of days. So strike hard, strike well. Yes, see you on the other side. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.